For Nerds by Nerds Production. What are those intoxicating sounds? Why, Master, it's the Four Nerds by Nerds Halloween Spooktacular! discussed a lot of movies in the past. Yes, we certainly have. And in doing so, we've discussed a lot of directors. Absolutely. But we've never actually spoken to a director before. I, I can't say that we have. Well, that all changes today, as we are joined by a director of a brand new horror film called Fried Berry. It's about a drug addict who gets his body taken over by an alien, and the visuals are amazing. So without further ado, here to talk to us about his brand new movie, Mr. Ryan Kruger. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Cool, man. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, definitely our pleasure. Absolutely. Really big deal for us. The Pride Barry is a movie about an alien that assumes control of a drug addict's body and takes it on a bizarre joyride through Cape Town, South Africa. Sounds enjoyable. Yeah. I want to do that. If you've never <laughs> seen the trailer to this movie, it is spectacular. And terrifying. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> but I mean, just on a visual point alone, visually your movie looks phenomenal. Cool, man. Thanks, thanks very much. O- originally, it was based on a on a short film um, that I shot in 2017, which was just uh, it was just an experimental three minute uh, movie with not really any major storyline or anything like that. It was just about a heroin addict that lives in this abandoned building and we just see his highs and lows. It was almost like, uh, like a drug PSA, like don't do, don't do fucking drugs. And that's, that's basically what it was, uh, the short, but from the short we had, um, about, you know, 59, 60 official selections, uh, at festivals uh, around the world. And we had, um, about, I think we picked up about 13 awards uh, for it. And then what randomly happened after that, we just got all this fan art from like around the world, which was, you know, which was crazy, but there was never ever, a mo- you know, there was never a moment where I thought, Oh, I'm going to make this into a feature film. It was just a standalone short film. And then even when it did well, I still looked at it as, Oh, that's just, you know, an experimental thing that I did that did really well. Well, I, I- I watched the, the, the short, the three-minute short, and honestly, uh, it made me want to do heroin and take a trip around <laughs> and just see what it was like. I mean, it looked so enjoyable. Uh, it was spectacular to watch. I mean, the guy, uh, your, your main character, Barry, is just uh, – his name's Gary, right? Yeah, yeah, Gary yeah, Barry. Phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, for not being an actor, he's phenomenal. I mean, it just yeah. he convinced me that that was his life. Uh, yeah. It's hard to do that with film for me because I can see through all the BS. I I watch it and I'm like, knowing his, I've read his history, knowing his history and seeing it, I was like, where did we find this guy? Did you find him on the street? Did you ask him, hey, do you want to just be in a movie because you're a heroin addict and I need to do one? I mean, that's how good this guy was to me. So I'm glad you turned it into a feature. 
Yeah, and and it it was just one of those things where, like where like where I was in my career in my life, you know, I really wanted to, you know, for for a long time now, I've always wanted to to do a feature, and I've came close so many times, and then it just like fades away, and I just got to a point. I went through um, I went to I went through like a really rough time. I had I had something wrong with uh. Uh, my kidney, I had an operation on my kidney. I got sepsis, went through, I nearly died, went through a breakup. My cat got cancer and oh. I went into depression. And I was, while I was at the bottom of this, you know, dark hole, I was like, shit, you know, what is the number one thing that I've, you know, always wanted to do? And it was to make a movie. And then I got the idea to, to make the feature and in three days, I wrote a 50% scene breakdown. And, and then I approached, uh, yeah, then I approached my uh, producer, which I only knew for about two months. And I, you know, I said to my producer, oh, you know, I want to make a film, but I want to make it next month. I want to start it next month. And he was like, well, have you got a script? And I was like, no. And that was because, you know, I wanted to make the film a certain way and our lead wasn't a, a trained actor. And then it was like, well, why, why do you want to do it next month? And I was like, because if we don't do it next month, it's never going to happen. So let's plan and we're going to shoot it in blocks. And, you know, it took us a year and a half to shoot the whole movie, half a year for post. And within the year and a half of shooting, you know, we, we did, we, we filmed 28 days uh, and that was it. And then, you know, the month later we started, we started filming, uh, but, Again, with the with my lead Gary Green, because he wasn't a trained actor, I had to make this movie a certain a certain way because there was no script. I, you know, I, I probably wrote about seven pieces of the main dialogue in the movie, and the movie had to had to I had to shoot the movie a certain way. I had to mold the movie around Gary uh, to you know to make it to, you know to make to make it work. Otherwise you know, it would fall flat. So it was, you know, it was a big thing where, you know, we would plan, 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 and then shoot and then plan again and then shoot. So even though there was no script, there was still a lot of planning and, and a lot of organizing, you know, and then a lot of the movie was, you know, apart from the dialogue and the scene breakdowns and the movie evolved as we went, but a lot of the movie was improv. Uh, and then the only person that didn't improv was Gary because I had to work with him very, you know, very closely. Uh, and that was the thing. So all the scenes were workshopped on the day, on set. Um, the movie developed as we went. I mean, there was even some actors that we wrapped and, you know, it would be like a week or two later or when we're filming next. And then I would be like, shit, we should actually bring these characters, you know, there's a certain character back. But the you know the movie plays off almost like a road movie where it's like instead of the car like Barry's the car and he's you know going along and, meet, and meeting all these you know characters so we never really go back to the same location but we you know we wanted to bring you know normally when he meets somebody and then that's it they're out of it but we you know we did bring back two characters which we thought was you know very vital for the story and uh, the character development. So yeah, it just, it just developed as, you know, as we went. Yeah. When I read that the movie was 
improvise a lot. I was I was shocked. It's not usually something that you see with movies that I mean I know it, this movie has some comedy elements. I mean that's something you usually see with a full full on comedy. And that's that's quite the undertaking to be like, let's just roll, roll, roll and we'll we'll figure it out as we go. Um, yeah. I, but I also think like the funny thing is that I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of comedy in the movie. Like you wouldn't think that, obviously, from the, yeah, from not the from the trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't think that from the trailer. But there is a lot of. I mean, the serious moments are serious, but there's a lot of dark humor and comedy in it. So you you know you've got those. You've got that elements of sci-fi. You've you've got the elements of uh, horror, and there's a lot of that like dark humor. But Fryberry is like a cult style movie and it's crazy. And it's, and it, it is a wacky movie. It's one of those movies that you'll either love it or you'll hate it. There's, there's no really in between the people who love it. will rave about it. The people who hate it. will talk about it and say how much they hate it uh, or disagree with it. But at the same time, that's cool. And that's great. I mean, I mean, it's impossible to please every audience, but I, I always say, you know, the amount of movies that we watch these days where you watch something and you watch 10, 15, 20 minutes, or you watch the whole thing and you say to yourself, I'll never watch that again. And you won't even tell your friend about it because it's not worth the conversation. So for somebody to not like this film and really talk about it, that's great. It stayed with them, you know, it stayed with them. And it, you know, it is a bit of a different style of movie and a, it's, it's quite a bold movie and it's my first movie, but it is, it is a, a bold movie for for my uh, first film. But I think, you know, you've as a filmmaker, you've got to try and make things different. You, you've got to keep your audience on your feet and not just keep pushing out the same things all the time. You know what I mean? I, I mean, nothing against uh, like Marvel or DC, and I see your little DC posters <laughs> in the background there. But I mean, it's just like, you know, it's like all these Avengers movies. And I, 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 I like uh, some of these DC and Marvel movies, but some of them are just, it's just the money machine. It's just pushed, you know, it's just pushed out. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's the thing. And I think we've got to change it up a bit. We've got to make it a bit, a, a bit different, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that is happening a lot. Um, visually, you, the trailer for Friedberry reminded me a lot of Mandy. Do you see Mandy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, very trippy, very colorful. Um, I'm so excited to actually see the movie um, because it just looks kind of mesmerizing. I mean, yeah, I can't but wait I, to see where all this goes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that um, it's funny because it, it, you know, it's going back to what we were saying, you know, about uh, about Gary Green, who played Fry Barry. You know, the other reason, you know, I've worked with Gary over over about 10 years now and he, he did a lot of extra work in you know, music videos and stuff that I've done in the past and I've given like featured parts. And it, it, it's, it's interesting because when you see, you know, I love characters as a director. I love, I love characters. I love people with, you know, they've got a story to tell, you know, just with their face, you know, and nobody looks like Gary. He's good. He's just got this presence and he's got this, unique look you know there's many people that have seen the movie and they go oh the prosthetics is brilliant so i'm like no that's that's gary <laughs> this is how he looks you know and and yeah. that's the thing and it's he's got this unique 
look and nobody looks like him. And as, as you know, like casting directors or movie makers, you know, you look at Gary and you go, bad guy. He's, def- he's definitely a bad guy. And in Fried Barry, he is a bad guy. And, but the movie develops and the character develops. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, he becomes the hero. And when, when the movie starts, it's just like how we're never going to like this guy. He's just this horrible, you know, uh, husband and he's got these kids and he's just a bastard. But as the movie goes on, the things totally, you know, uh, progress and, 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 uh, and change. That's the first thing I said to myself when I read, I was reading about it and I had already watched a short film and it said, uh, he's a father and a husband. I was like, that guy's a father and husband. (laughs) (laughs) Can we see Mrs. Barry, please? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's it. That's smackhead Mary. (laughs) Oh, smackhead Mary. Perfect. Yep. I need some of that. Yeah. You do not see, uh, uh, protagonist that looks like him ever in a movie is i is very different yeah and he and he did it he did amazing i mean you know even like one of the first days you know i said to him that um because he's normally you know he's normally just an extra and a featured extra so i mean we've got so many very well-known south african actors in this movie and they those are the guys that had the small parts and he you know, he ended up being the, the lead. So I said, don't be intimidated or worry about any of these other people. I mean, this movie was made for you. It's designed for you. Nobody can do this role better than you. Like, it's, I, I always think that, you know, every actor or wannabe actor or whatever, everybody's got that one movie that's absolutely perfect for them. And this is it, you know. And at that that from that day one, you know, I said, just, you know, listen to me very carefully and, you know, we're going to work very close together and you're going to do amazing and people are going to love you. And so far with all the festivals that we've hit and we've played around the world so far, the feedback and the reviews have been amazing. And, you know, people keep saying, oh, this is definitely going to be a cult classic and it's definitely a cult movie. And uh, yeah, and people are just digging it and, and that's great. And it's great. And I'm very humble that, you know, it's, very, it's, it's my first feature. So it's great that it's, it's drawn this attention to it and it's, it's doing what I, you know, what I set out for. When you're, I mean, clearly you had to think about the, the concepts and the visual aesthetic of this film a yeah. lot before you actually went in production. How challenging did you find it to match what you had in your mind based on what you were able to put into the film. Was there anything that you just couldn't get to work or, or some things that came out better than you actually planned them to be? Um, I, I, I think it's one of those things where I, um, I work with very talented people and the people that I surround myself with are, are amazing at what they, at what they do. And, you know, pre-prod is, you know, everything. And the way I looked at it, you know, we didn't have a lot of pre-prod to do this film. But then again, we kind of did in a sense of it was just we had one month of planning for the first block of filming, which was a week. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you've got a good crew and you have and you have the experience and the knowledge of, you know, doing, you know, as a, as a filmmaker, then, you know, it's easy to communicate that with, 
you know, with your DOP, your camera guy, you know, showing them references. This is what I want. And my, my, my DOP, uh, Gareth Place, he, um, he comes from a commercial background. So normally the stuff that he shoots is, is beautifully lit and it's just nicely lit and it's polished. And I was like, no, I don't want any of that shit. I want, I want the grittiness and I want the shadows. I want, you know, the darkness and, and that. So, I mean, as long as your, your crew and page is you, then it's fine. And, and I, I think if I made this film 28 days straight, it wouldn't be as good. So, as I said, it took us 28 days to shoot over a year and a half. So, you know, we had time to plan and to talk about. So it's not like we rocked up on set and we were like, oh, okay, cool, let's, let's, let's just do this. The subjects were there, the planning went into it where, okay, we need this and we need that. And th that brief scene breakdown that I wrote you know, it's like, for example, it'll be like Barry goes into a supermarket and he, he gets lost in there and he speaks to the cashier and somebody offers him uh, to taste uh, sample food. So all the components were there. All the subjects were there. It's just like, okay, how, how, how are we going to do this? And that's, that's the fun part of it for the improv. And then sometimes, you know, I'd shoot, I remember shooting the, the scene in the supermarket and I'll be like, cool, the checkout girl, says, you know, says this and says that. Okay, let's try it. And then I got it, and it was cool, and then I got a better idea, and I said, let's do this instead. And after that take, you know, we were all laughing, and we knew this is, this is the take. So, you know, the thing is with other films is that everything's set in stone, and, you know, the dialogue is set in stone, the scene's set in stone, so the only way it's going to be a little bit different if the director directs it differently or the actor's do it different in some way, but overall it's still going to be the same. So living in the moment with Gary and having that organic clean slate, clean page every single day and working with the other actors and being in that organic thing where we're workshopping it as we go. And I also don't overshoot stuff either. So it's very much like, like I said, it's, it, it's like, let's rehearse, let's try this. Okay, cool. And action. Uh, okay, cool. Let's not do that. Let's do this. Let's take that bit out. And we do it again, and then we got the scene. And then you don't need to overshoot it or overcomplicate it and over, you know, over, you know, get too many angles because that's the thing. I think most directors, if they try overshoot a scene, it's because, you know, the, they want to be safe in the editing room or they're not sure what the feel should be. So at the same time, it's just like I shoot for the edit. So at the same time, I'm busy editing it in my head. So I know what's going to cut. I know what's not going to cut and which saves a lot of hours and hard work. So sometimes you don't have to be, you don't have to overcomplicate, you know, a scene. Yeah, and that's a very intelligent way to film a movie. I remember I was watching the bonus features for Tropic Thunder once. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ben Stiller sitting there with Robert Downey Jr., and they're doing that scene where he says, I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. And they must have done it like 45 times in a row yeah. and he just kept going one more one more one more and i'm like if i was robert Downey jr freak the fuck out <laughs> like <laughs> that it just it was irritating me watching it yeah, happen yeah. i couldn't imagine actually being there it's like i think you got it i mean it's how how many different ways could you possibly i mean you had to have 
some idea how you'd want that scene. <laughs> how many different yeah, ways. Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, the funny thing about that, they probably used one of the first or second takes when he did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, because that's the other thing. You don't want to uh, lose the energy in it. You know, you don't want to lose that spunk. spunk. You, you know, you don't, you don't want to lose that energy and that, that whole feeling when, when you're doing it, you know, it's like what we were talking about earlier before we started recording, when you do, a, you know, a second interview because something went wrong or whatever, then it, it's not the same, you know, it's not the same. And it's, it's the first time you do it, it's genuine and it's real. And you're, you, you know, you're in the, you're in the moment. And that's, that's what's important. And I think that's, what's great about Fry Barry is that we have these moments that we're in the moment and living it and, you know, and it's, it's there and it's, you know, it's not too, yes, it is controlled and maybe we've done a rehearsal, but sometimes it's those first takes that they're the winners, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a very, very open-minded way to approach a film and that that'll probably get you a lot of success as a director. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I look at it, I mean, I've been doing this now for like 22 years and it's, it's one of those things. It's like with any job that you do, you should know your craft and the more you shoot, the more you learn and, and, you know, and you get better as you go along. But it's also like me, you know, editing in my head while I'm shooting. It's like, I don't believe in storyboards. So I'll do a shot list and then sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll chat, I'll have a meeting with my DP or we go on location and we'll we'll go through the shot list, and then sometimes we, we don't even use the shot list. Like I've got it all up here, but it's how you communicate with your DOP because it will always change on set anyway. So it's nice to live in the moment and go. You know what? This is actually better. This is actually better now that we're here and the props are here and everything's set up and the lights there and, and this and it's it's good to do that. But not only that, you know, shooting for the edit, it's 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 a good way of indie filmmaking or any filmmaker, because you're not wasting time. You're not wasting time shooting shit that you're not going to need or, you know what I mean? And you've got plenty of other stuff that you still got to shoot that day. So you haven't got time to waste on shooting stuff that you might go, oh, we might use this angle, we might use that angle, you know? Yeah, well, adapting and overcoming often makes the best film. Uh, We discussed Jaws on here a lot. We did a Jaws episode. And I mean, now in hindsight, it's like, well, of course it went that way. It's Steven Spielberg. He's the best director <laughs> in the world. But I mean, he wasn't at the time. You know, he was pretty much a nobody. Um, and the amount of trouble they had on the set with all the animatronics and everything. That yeah, yeah. Planned, his ability to adapt and change and overcome all the obstacles that just kept happening created one of the best films in history. That was yeah, never exactly. how he originally planned it to be. Yeah, and, and it's like, you know, you talking about Jaws, it's, you know, a big part of Jaws is also leaving shit to your imagination. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. And, you know, there's been many shark films over the years, many, many, many shark films over the last few years. But the thing is, it's, it's sometimes, you know, the visual effects is fucking terrible. And, the, you know, George is what? It's, what is it, late 70s? Early 80s? Late 70s, right? Yeah, 45 years. Yeah, yeah so the, the, the thing is with that, it's still fucking better than most of the, yeah. Yeah. Of the yeah. shark movies now. And that's why it's like, 
some of these shark shark films they do it they either do it for the blood or they do it uh, with it visual effects and it doesn't look real and I, like a perfect example would be standing on the jetty with your friend and and then the next thing your friend looks away and then there's a splash and then there's just blood you know that's a great way to show something and then now a big shitty cgi shark jumps out the water and takes you and it's just yeah. like it's so much better the other way by far you know yeah leaving, leaving things to that nation is terrifying in the best kind yeah, of way creepier yeah definitely you don't want to see everything and sometimes that doesn't work but yeah if done right it, it is amazing and i don't think some people fail because they're doing it wrong i think they're just maybe approaching it in a movie that doesn't require that like cloverfield yeah all it was was maybe you'll see the monster maybe you see the monster maybe you see the monster and then when you see it it's a little underwhelming it's like well it's extremely cgi and just doesn't look doesn't look good wasn't really worth the payoff <laughs> like yeah are, are you talking are you talking about the the cloverfield lane I'm talking about the original. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, but yeah, but it, it, it's 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 one of those things as well. Like for me, like I, I'm a big fan of '80s movies. Like for me, '80s movies are the best. I love '80s movies. I love the effects in the '80s movies. There's more shitty effects in the '90s than there was in the '80s. And and this this is the thing in the '80s. It was like 90% in camera, 10% visual effects. And now it's 90 in camera you know what I mean and it's that changeover and that's what I think where we've really lost something and you know in film but at the same time you know visual effects has got better and then there's the odd film that d does now have bad visual effects and there's no excuse there's no excuse for bad visual effects and then it's it's a total budget money thing you know we just and, had the same conversation uh, a couple weeks ago about bringing back more practical effects and and, and kind of yeah. loosen up on the digital effects because it just, for me, ruins the whole movie experience. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, like, I mean, I, I saw a video a few months back. Uh, I was on YouTube and it said the worst uh, practical effects. And it was Terminator. Number one was Terminator. Arnie in the mirror taking his eye out. And I'm like, dude, that's fucking amazing. What, yeah, what are you talking about? Best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you get stuff like that and there's a creepiness to it. And that's what's cool about it. There's, there's a creepiness to it and that's cool. But then you get, and I always compare it to the stuff like this to, to the mummy. So there was that one scene when the mummy came out and I think the mummy was like 98 or 97, yeah. 98, something, something like that. And that, you know, he stands there and his jaw like opens and drops and the, you know, those flies and shit come out. And the thing is, it doesn't look real. It looks fake. And if it doesn't look real and it's fake, then what is it? You know, then yeah. it, then it's then then the illusion is is you know is over. They could have done prosthetics for that, you know, or they could have chose a different shot or whatever. So, and that's and that's the thing. It's like even like Lord of the Rings, and I'm I'm a fan of Lord of the Rings. I like Lord of the Rings, but even so, when you look at these battlefields or these mountains on some of these battle scenes, it's just like cluttered information. And the human eye, when we see a mountain, we know what a mountain looks like. We know, you know, and it doesn't look the same, but it's also, I understand it's budgets and it's time and, 
and the release date and everything. And that's why it's like you get Jurassic Park, which, which was early, early 90s. And then by the third Jurassic Park came along, they had worse effects than the first one. Yeah. How is that possible? Yeah, well, speaking of Terminator, I mean, it's the, the T-1000. The T-1000s never looked as good as it did in Terminator 2, even though 30 exactly. years later, they're still doing the effect, and now it looks like shit. It doesn't make any sense. You know? Yeah. yeah. And it's that time and attention to detail, and now every, all that stuff has become like a plug-in. Like, oh, yeah. one yeah, button. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Effect. I mean, instead of James Cameron sitting in a studio for hours yeah. and hours and weeks on end, you know, sculpting every single scene, frame by frame yeah. but it, it but it's almost like i don't know i i look at stuff like um i don't know it's it's just it's yeah things things in the movie like we we right now we can't get surprised with anything anymore we've seen the buildings we've seen the the you know we've we've seen transformers the robots We've seen the aliens. We've seen all, you know, we've seen everything. Like, we've seen the disaster movies. There's nothing with visual effects now that will shock us. You know what I mean? Like, when Jurassic Park came out, when The Matrix came out, when, um, you know, stuff like Independence Day or whatever, and the buildings are breaking, or, you know, there's nothing now, I think, that will shock us. Like, what will shock us that we see visual effects and go, oh, fuck. We've never seen that before. We've seen everything. What else is there to be seen, you know? Yeah, everyone's desensitized to all that stuff. It's like the PlayStation 5 is coming out, and all the commercials I've seen, I'm like, this looks the same. It looks the same as the PS4. Like, yeah. what, what, am I, what am I getting geared up to spend $500 for? Nothing. Yeah. Like, mine already does this. <laughs> yeah. And it's like yeah. the trickery. Yeah, what, what what I think is funny is like I remember playing uh, when I was a kid. I think it was was it uh, for Mega Drive on Nintendo and like M, what is it NBA Jam came out. You know the basketball game. Yeah, and I remember going, <laughs> "This effects, they're amazing. Like they're not going to get better than this. This is like this is legit. This is so good." I know the PlayStation. If you go back and look at it, it's like, how did I ever think this looked good? This looks yeah. like shit. <laughs> yeah, even even Mortal Kombat when that came out, and it was just like shit. Like you know, we, we're not going to get better than this now. This is like this is so legit. You know, <laughs> so it's yeah, it's funny how things progress and things don't progress over time. But again, it's probably you know budget or time constraints and stuff like that. You know, you got anything? Uh, I have a, I have a question. If, if do you think this is just going to be a, a one-off with Pride Barry, or do you think there's room for a sequel in there? Uh, it's one of those things. I think it's – I left it – I'm not going to say how it ends, but I've left it in a certain way that the, you know, this, the, there could be a lot more to Fry Barry. Um, a lot of people have asked me, you got to make a number two. You know, are you going to make a number two? got to make a number two. But it's it's one of those where it's either I leave it alone as it is, and you know when it comes out, you know, and it does well or whatever, and you know we'll see see what happens. But then maybe it's it's one of those either leave it alone or you can make a second one. So I mean there is there is films, you know there is those films out there that they end up making a second one, you know where it's like Aliens or Terminator or 
lethal weapon or Mad Max or, or whatever. So you, I've got lots of cool ideas that I could make for a second one, but I, you know, I, I don't want to do it anytime soon. You know, I think the film needs to get out there and needs to breathe and, and sees what, what happens. And as I said, the reviews have been amazing. You know, the film's only out next year. Uh, you know, from now to the end of the year, it's just the festival run. Uh, in the States, it, I think it started today. You know, it's playing at the Mile High Horror Film Festival. So you, you, anybody watching can uh, can check it out. It's, it's an online film festival. Uh, so anywhere in the States, you, you, people can uh, watch it. And yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But the attention from the short film and what we're getting now with the feature film, and we're also starting to get like fan art. And I mean, last last week, a guy got a fried berry tattoo. So I'm just like, that's oh, that's shit. nuts. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. So I mean, fan art is a very huge compliment. I must be doing something right. That's what I think in my head. Yeah, and cool. then when somebody gets a tattoo, that's that's like next level shit. That's like, Fry Barry's face stuck on this guy's leg forever, you know. So, so it's that's cool. It's a huge, it's a huge compliment. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what are you into? Is horror your main thing? I mean, this movie kind of spans a bunch of different genres. Yeah, I mean, Fry Barry's a, a very genre mashing uh, movie. As I said, it's got all those different elements in. But I love, I love all all films and cinema. So, I mean, there's a time and place and mood to to watch things, but. Um, you know, I wouldn't like just to stick to, you know, one genre. Genre. You know, I do like dark and gritty, you know, stuff. I mean, if you look at, like, Danny Boyle, you know, he does 28 Days Later, he'll do The Beach, he'll do, um, you know, all these different, you know, all these different uh, types of movies. And, you know, he did Sunshine. So they're all different. And Train Spotting. So, I mean, it will be cool to do, you know, a lot of different things. But I do like that you know, obscurity of, you know, something different and something stands out. I mean, I think even after doing Fry Barry and having all these other scripts that I've got, it's actually made me rethink a lot of stuff where we go, you know, you know, a lot of people are saying like Fry Barry definitely has a very unique style to it and it is different and we haven't seen something like this before. And that's great. But it also makes me think about all these other scripts that I've got. I'm like, all the other scripts that, that I have or what I was going to make, you know, I have top, you know, top three scripts that, you know, I, I wanted to make for a while. And then they're nothing completely original. I can make them really great and really, I can make it really well, but is it unique? Is it different? And it's the answer is no. So, I mean, the next film that I'm doing, I've had the idea for about eight years and I still haven't seen that movie yet, and it's still very different. So that's what makes me go, fuck, I need to do this film rather than the rest because we haven't seen it yet, and nobody's seen something like this before. So that, that's what makes me want to explore it more, and that has to be my next film. So it really makes you stop and think. And I mean, because you know, we live in the generation of, of remakes, and even if it's not a remake, it's just got a different name, but it's a remake of this film or that film of this film. Maybe it was in the snow and now it's in the desert or, the, you know, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just this, you know, take this film, this film, mash it together. And then you got that film, but we've seen it all before. So it's hard to make original stuff. It's hard to make, 
different stuff. And that's, and that's entertainment, you know? Uh, I mean, it doesn't mean it's a shit film. Doesn't mean it's a. It doesn't mean it's a good film either. So it 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 really it really depends on, you know. I would like I would like to think that the stuff that I make will be different and 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 bring something different to cinema. You know. No, I definitely think you nailed that from what we've seen. <laughs> I can't say I've ever seen anything like your movie before, but in the best possible way. Cool, man. Thanks very much. And that's, that's a yeah, great, both, uh, great uh, the, compliment. The short thing. and the trailer has made me want to just... I can't wait to pay money to see this. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> cool, guys. Well, you guys should watch it at that... So, wh- wh- where are you guys based? We're in New Hampshire, so like the Northeast. Okay, cool. So, you, you guys can check You should check check it out at uh, at my High Horror uh, Festival. Yeah, yeah, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, we'll look yeah. it up. We'll up tonight. Yeah, I think I think it was today. I think it started today. Yeah, so okay. you guys can uh, check it. And uh, once you've watched it, you must let me know what you what you think, whether oh, you like it or yeah, don't like. It. Yeah. So, but like I said, it's one of those you either like it or you don't. It's the, the thing is, it's not a complicated story at all. It's a popcorn movie. You know, it's like just go with go with it. Go go. Just have the ride with Barry, and you know it's designed to make you feel uncomfortable. It's unpredictable, and it's designed for you know entertainment. And it's you know it, there is character development and story development, but it's just it's just a it's just a crazy it's it's a crazy movie. So you must check it. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait to see it. So I have one more question. Uh, how did That's where where this is exciting for me. Because uh, when I was growing up, one of my favorite movies was uh, this guy's movie here. Uh, where did you find Joey Kramer? How did you get him to come out of retirement to do this with you? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I've, I, I think I've known uh, Joey Kramer now for, uh, I think, maybe like a year and a half, maybe. Really? Yeah, something like that. And we started, we started, uh, we started chatting because there's a project that I wanted to do with him. And, and then originally he was meant to, he was meant to come down for Fry Barry and he couldn't come down. And so there was a, you know, he plays a very, very, very small little cameo uh, appearance in the, in the movie, which is on the, which is on the TV in in the movie. So he was meant to, he was meant to come down and then um, there was some complications and he couldn't come down. And, and then I had the idea where it's like, okay, we can still have you in the movie. Uh, we'll just take some footage uh, of you on that side. And, you know, you guys must send it over. And yeah, like same, same with me, like growing up flat and the navigator, it's, it's one of those films that I, I absolutely love. And, and Joey Kramer is such, such a cool guy, very nice guy. And even now, like we, we we still chat here and there, and it's cool. I'm so even even the first time I was sitting there, I'm like ah, I'm talking to the flight and the navigator, you know. Right, so it, we're gonna review that movie soon. We're gonna do that yeah. one on the show. So, yeah, we were and, talking about uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh God, it's one of my favorite childhood movies. I love it. Yeah, and it's a great. It's a great. Yeah, it's a great. It's, it's a great movie. So, and that's the thing in Fry Barry. There's so many references from other you know, 80s movies. There's so, there's so many references to like all the movies on Fry Barry, which is, I think is lots of cool like little Easter eggs there. And 
Uh, me and Joey are going to work on a on another project together. So yeah, as soon as we get the time and all everything else calms down in the world, we're we're going to work on that uh, project. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a very very nice guy, very cool guy, and uh, I'm I'm still very uh, fortunate and happy that uh, you know that. I mean, I think anybody that has watched Flatland Navigator, when you like, I think you're around, you know, our age, we've seen it a million times, you know, we've seen it so many, so many times. It's always that, it was, it was either on like a, a Sunday night, you know, uh, the day before school, the next day, and you'd, you know, you'd watch it. And uh, yeah, it's just an awesome, awesome movie. And uh, yeah. Well, I believe it's a, it's a Disney release. So it was on the, the, when I was a kid, I was the same age. Uh, as him when he was in the movie. Um, and I think, I believe Flight of the Navigator is a Disney release. So it was on those yeah. Disney shows on, on Sunday nights, you know, it was, was family night at the house. We watched yeah, it all the yeah. time. It was always on. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's what I got. Yeah. Right. That was the end of my uh, excitement. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the movie is Fried Barry, the director and the writer, Ryan Kruger. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Cool, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We can't see. We can't wait to see it. If you get an opportunity out there to see it, definitely do that, and then hit us up and hit right up on Twitter. What's your What's your Twitter handle? Yeah. So, uh, if you want to know more information uh, about me or Fry Barry, uh, you can go on to Twitter. It's uh, a Ryan Kruger thing, or on Instagram, a Ryan Kruger thing, or Frybarry dot com or Ryan Kruger dot TV. And other platforms, just type in Fry Barry or Ryan Kruger. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Pleasure, man. You guys uh, enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Me too. Cheers, guys. Bye.